Computer Shop of Maniacs. You're listening to another episode of the Shop Talk Show podcast, all about front end web design and development. I'm Dave. Got beat up by a surgeon, Rupert, with me as Chris. Oh, man. Dude, at least you're, at least you're thinking of your long term health, right? Well, yeah, and you know, you can get your nose cut on an audio podcast. You can have a doctor <laughs> remove a side of your nose. Just to, uh, you know, that, that you could do that and still do an audio podcast. So. Oh, yeah, it doesn't. Yeah, you can't tell, listeners at home. That's just yeah. regular old Dave there. He just happens to weigh, you know, 99.99% what he did before. What I did before. So there you go. So anyway, yeah, you've been been addressing some health stuff. So, you know, it's good to get through all that. And so yeah. now I'm back at work. I literally just before this call or yesterday, like made a new feature in the app i'm working on which is oh fun. congratulations like, it just, yeah does it feel pretty greenfieldy right because you can just do do stuff and i can just do stuff i mean there's stuff i need to do and that's not as fun but like but yeah i can like do stuff and then like it's kind of like limits of your imagination and time you know so and um, taste yeah and co-workers and, taste, and, and co-workers uh, <laughs> so what is yeah. it in like without because you announced it publicly so so you yeah, can say so it's it. called luro uh, luroapp.com um but uh we're not really it's kind of still in private alpha sort of stuff which is good but because because like uh we demoed it to y'all at CodePen just because i was like mm-hmm. hey you guys work on an application we're software for an application uh but um the goal is basically like we we only want to have like a small group of people like five or 10 customers to start, you know, and then we can yeah. kind of maybe open up the doors later, but, but we kind of just need feedback and people working on it and using it. So, um, yeah. Tell yeah. me about it, man. Feedback well, loop. That's the best. I have all kinds of things to say about that, but I'm curious though, what your stack is. Cause it's so it's, it's, you, you got to pick whatever you wanted. So what'd you pick? Yeah. Um, Greenfield. Um, so, it's been changing. Can I say that too? Like, oh. like your first guess was kind of the wrong guess. And so now it's like changing. Um, the first idea was like, we'll just deploy this to Netlify. We'll use serverless functions and then we'll like uh, save it to a Postgres database somewhere. Um, tried like getting GraphQL up, but I just was like, it was all this work to for me to do all the backend stuff and then write all the resolvers and all that. So I just, I went with Prisma, which I really liked. Okay. Um, which is an ORM. Uh-huh. So, and, and it was, it's kind of a first class, first party plugin inside Redwood. So, uh, my Hello Redwood. World at Redwood JS, and it used Prisma, and it's kind of like active record for uh, oh my God. JavaScript. So does this mean Dave's writing React? No, not at all. I'm actually, it's in Nuxt. And so, I it's a full featured Nuxt app. Uh, which I like writing view and then only the parts inside the serverless functions or slowly that's moving over to an entire node app. Um, but inside the, the functions, am I using this Prisma to save data? So, oh, so does that mean Netlify is out too, just cause it's too little, too mm-hmm. hard to pull off or can you Netlify's out? Um, you know, I'm obviously a fan um, and maybe it would show up on, again, some other day, but uh, the problem was we had like a backend API because we're doing some kind of long tasks that don't fit on a, on a, yeah, whatever serverless function. And so um, we had to build like a backend API that went out to DigitalOcean, right? And then okay. we have a, okay. we have a, a Postgres, box. right? And yeah. then 
um, along the way, like we're, but you can keep the Postgres on DO too. Yep. Postgres is on DO, uh, and then storage S3 bucket that's on DO or well as well. Um, but then, you know, had a, uh, for the backend API, we are sucking down a bunch of JSON, you know, like, a you know, from an API. And I was, you know, and, and just to like get it done, basically, we went with Mongo, which was like, a okay, choice if you're storing like reams of JSON, right? Like, but as I've like, kind of looked at the architecture. I have Netlify with serverless functions, and then I have Postgres and Node and Mongo and uh, an S3 bucket. Like, I just want to simplify that. I want to streamline that. And so part of that is going to be just melting all that down into a kind of one basically classic server-side monolith, you know, yeah. uh, that that has all this stuff kind of... And we'll get off Mongo eventually and just use Postgres's JSON fields, which is are pretty powerful. Mm-hmm. Right. Uh, and so we'll simplify that entirely. And then there's also been work to just like pop that in a Docker so that we can just like, mm-hmm. so you don't have to know how to install Postgres and stuff to work locally. But also, you know, if we're spinning up instances for people, uh, which we hope to do soon here, but like we don't have to like. Oh, you want people to run this on their own infrastructure yeah why not if they're enterprise clients they probably want to yeah and that's kind of the idea is like for enterprise clients you know the first thing they ask you is like this has to go behind our firewall and so you're like fine woof like docker it up so yeah and so if we can just be like here run this docker then that should be pretty cool or like Mm. so it should be like you should probably pick like the minimum amount of services that you can then so it's not too too wacky Mm. yeah that's what we're thinking so we're going to kind of maybe like roll it down into very small services. I don't actually know how you do like a S3 store. I guess they have. Yeah, I'm curious about that. Are you volumes. actually using S3 or because DO has that like spaces or whatever. That's yeah, S3 DO compatible. Spaces, I think it's, yeah, it's either S3 compatible or just literally a proxy over. Um, uh, oh, you think that's what it might actually it be under the hood? Yeah. 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 But cause anyway, but it's an S3 compatible. So like that, so it doesn't, so I'm not like if the client's like, oh, this has to go on our S3 machine or whatever. It's like, cool. Well, we support that. We just need the keys, you know, or if like uh, somebody's like, oh, this goes on Azure storage. It's like that shouldn't be a problem because we just need keys. You know, we just need to. You know. Yeah. Yeah. Probably I assume not. Azure has some S3 compatible. Sure. API, and now so. Cloudflare does, too. Everybody. Right. So, I mean, Cloudflare would be awesome. So it's sort of like. Let teams, because team, you know, you've seen enterprise people. They just, they come up with their own rules. I mean, like (laughs) one client I had just was like, we do Google Cloud Platform now, you know, and everything's on Google. And you're like, Mm. I have a Jekyll site. (laughs) They're like, Google Cloud Platform. And you're like, oh, no. Like my experience, the most funny one is when I have to be on calls where I don't have very, I don't deal with enterprise very much, but I have in the last year, I have a couple of times. And it was a lot of calls where they, there'd be a whole team, like just for like provisioning, which kind of made mm-hmm. sense, actually. That's just like so somebody's job is just to like document processes. And then, then they're like, oh, Sue doesn't work here anymore. And then that becomes that team's problem where they're mm-hmm. removing Sue from not internal apps as well as external. 
So yeah. if you're using CodePen, this big company needs to know that they need to remove Sue from the CodePen team too, right? Mm-hmm. Which kind of makes mm-hmm. sense, right? So it's like taking care of your software in a really grown-up way. You're not just like, oh, she hasn't worked here for three years. We just, I don't even know who that is, you know? They just can't be sloppy like that. Right, yeah. Like, and that's, uh, we we know, like, one of our clients who, they, they're not on Luro yet, but they... um they have our big active directory, like, you know, um, single sign-on uh, Office 365 teams, all that stuff. And it's all connected. And so, you know, from from their standpoint, if they fire somebody, they, <laughs> they just remove them from active directory and they're gone from the system entirely. You know, even probably their little badge to get into the office is connected to the active directory, you know, like, yeah. so... Mm-hmm. Um, so interesting. Not, I'm not saying that that's cool, quote unquote, but it's definitely it makes a, sense at scale. Certainly, it's a real world issue, you know. So, um, and yeah, you wouldn't want whatever somebody having access. So anyway, that's all stuff I have to think about, and it's kind of a bummer because that's not the fun part of web development. But that's no. all stuff that falls on. I, my... I even hate to be drilling you about all this stack stuff because it's like it's interesting to me a little bit, but. The, obviously, the what's interesting about the product is what the product is. But, you know, we're a tech nerd, show, so we like to talk about stuff. Yeah, I mean, like, so Nuxt is, I, I just, I like Vue. I, we needed a little bit of reactivity. Like, it's actually paying off. Um, mm-hmm. uh, and then Prisma's kind of the wild card. Like, Postgres is very stable. Prisma's kind of the wild card. And, and working in it in the serverless function and all that stuff is a little... Uh, weird at times but um but what i like about prisma is it has the concept of migrations so just yesterday i added a field to the database i said npn run db migrate you know and i ran a migration created a migration ran it and it added the field to the database and all i did was edit like a schema file and so just like a react schema file and I, that's so powerful to me because I, I can just express, I declaratively say what I want, and it imperatively figures out, or it, it figures out how to add that to the database safely without destroying data. It'll warn me if it's like actually going to tank my database Wipe entirely. Something. So, nice. like that's cool. It's not me just writing raw SQL, you know? So, yeah. And then if your if migration I, is drop this table, it will. Be real yeah. clear. Yeah. If you've used Rails, like it's frustrating, but it's also so powerful because, like, you know, if I go to, uh, if I install this on box number two or somebody pulls down their work, all they have to do is run this command and upgrades every their their whole database adapter um, to to the new stuff. And so, anyway, I'm getting a lot of value out of it. I, I think I will. Um, I should probably blog about it more just because it's so helpful. It's, it's just it's a missing tool in the, the uh, world of yeah. like JavaScript development. And so who was it the other day in the d- 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 discord? Um, was it Joel Yoder? I forget. Uh, mentioned um, Adonis JS. They're like, why don't you talk about this? And it was a fair question, <laughs> but I'd never seen it. You and I had never seen it. Um, oh, I, it just looked like it's, it's, I think we've even mentioned on the show before, like, why is there no rails for node? And of course there is actually answers to that. This one looking like maybe the best one. I, I, I saw it and like, 
I, I'm not going to refactor my whole route after to be on this, but it was very like, aha, I like this, you know, like it's very, there's yeah. a lot of conventions. Yeah. It's got like a router built in kind of thing. And then, and then crucially like controllers, which is kind of like the missing thing. I feel like on a lot of things like this, it's like build your own or, or something that this has the controller thing going on, which is what yeah. you need. And it handles file uploads, sessions, cookies, assets, you know, like I just, that's the stuff, dude. That's, that's what apps do. And it's trying to be a little, it's trying to be a little ecosystem. So there's little plugins like, oh, do you need something else? That's not part of core, but you can have it right here. Like, do you need to put stuff in S3 like Dave does? There's a drive S3 plugin for Adonis, you know, like, sorry, don't get, don't, don't get stars in your eyes, Dave. You're not rewriting again. <laughs> I'm not going to rewrite. Well, the, the, you know, I was, I'm working with a friend and, and they kind of brought up, they're like, Hey, just having looked at this and played with it, like, have you considered re- rewriting it in rails? And I was, I had a, a not panic attacks, the wrong word was the mild panic emoji. <laughs> like, uh, like the, but, but the, I would probably be very far if I was in Rails, but I would be the only one who could operate on it. What else would you lose? To me, I would be, I would just barf in my mouth. Not that I don't like Rails, because I do, but like Rails as a as a kind of a base for, and then putting something like a JavaScript framework on top of it is like a requirement for me, just because I like demand that I build front ends in components these right. days. Like I need to author in that way. I think and Rails that, just has none help for that. Well, I thought I think that was like one of the limitations of Adonis. I, I was like, I don't know if I'd want to write all my templates in Adonis, you know, like in its little, it's very elegant templating language, but it, I think it seems to require the templates maybe. But does it really? You can't possibly, like layer possibly. on a JavaScript framework on top of it? Oh, then it's I'm not sure. I'm useless not useless sure. to me. I don't want to, I don't want to yeah. overspeak, but, um, but the, the like, uh, but yeah, I want a JavaScript framework. I think I'd also miss out on prototyping. I'm able, like, fetch in the browser to go get some data from somewhere, whether it's your API or remote API, or you can even fake it in. Like, you just fetch is such a powerful tool. And then from fetch, I can just boom, drop that in an object, and then have view like loop over that object. I can prototype things really, really quickly. Mm-hmm. And I think that you miss out on that if you don't have that and, and not, it's not like a, you can't prototype in rails. People do all the time. And rails is like a rapid application development framework, a rad framework. But like, I, I just, I feel like I can prototype in JavaScript or view or whatever. Very quickly. I can just, I draft the component. I include the component. And then I like, just start writing in the component file and things start showing up. And that's really powerful. Yep. And it all hot module reloads. I didn't have to Need do it. nothing. Like, yeah, it's not, are you on the next that's V or no, no, but I want to be. And, and I may, uh, I may actually hire like a view person to, um, like just do that work, get us up to the new, new goods. Um, but there's this thing next to next two to next three. There's a, there's a little, plugin called module they call them uh called nuxt bridge and it basically adds Vite and all this stuff and it's like a, a stepping stone to nuxt three and 
Oh, just bite the bullet and do it. You don't well, want to be on a weird stepping stone thing. Apparently, there's some some stuff that just straight up doesn't work right now. Like they're they're kind of. Oh. Um, and so actually, the compat with Nux Bridge is kind of better, like just a smidge better. So mm. Um, mm, I think that's all at modules.nuxjs.com. They should pay me. They should hire me to be an ambassador. Um, yeah, but uh, they should. But yeah, it's it's. Like the PWA module, here's a good example, is not Nux 3 ready, right? Mm. So like me building an application that people could probably use on their desktop, I think I want the PWA. So I think Nux Bridge would be, it works on Nux Bridge, so that's awesome. Another one that doesn't work, though, is .env. And so like, that sucks. <laughs> I probably need .env because I'm using it uh, to extreme ESLint. I'm using uh, the, these aren't some of these aren't compatible yet. So Next Bridge is a really good like. Hey, take take one step into this realm and see if you can. You know, I just rolled out Sentry and stuff like that. So that would you know I don't know that, that that's kind of um, we'll see we'll see. So, yeah yeah yeah. This episode of Shop Talk Show is brought to you in part by Netlify. You know, one of the many things that you can say about Netlify is that they are built to scale. Anything that you put on Netlify, it's like instantly ready to scale. There's no amount of traffic that's going to land on your Netlify site and have Netlify fall over. It's not happening. It's uh, on this like massive CDN that's absolutely ready for that. It's kind of cool to think about that you just don't have to worry about. Even if you start layering on more dynamic stuff like your cloud functions, those are going to scale too because they're lambdas because lambdas are super designed to scale. Now there's cost involved, but you know, they lambdas are notorious for scaling well cost-wise as well, which is so cool, right? But they're built for not only scaling just like the load on your website necessarily, even though that's an important part of scaling, but they scale up to the size of your business as well. So if you're an enterprise company and you want to use Netlify, they're super ready for that. They got all the certs and stuff that are required for your enterprise thing to handle. They have really fine-grained team control stuff built into Netlify, so that's going to work for you. You're probably like in Jira land. Well, guess what? Jira works great with their deploy previews, you know? So imagine a, a place where there's lots of like, I don't know, red tape kind of stuff, or like, can is this ready to go live? These five people need to see it kind of thing. Well, their deploy previews are great for that, and they can leave feedback, which is linked directly to Jira, that kind of thing, you know? logging is important in enterprise land and they have all kinds of good solutions for that. Netlify is even and Netlify Enterprise is even in the AWS marketplace, which is kind of like a bar I think for some enterprise places to be like this stuff is AWS approved. Well, then okay, then we're going to do that. Really truly built to scale not only for your website, uh, uh affordable you know, fast, stable, awesome, but built for any size of business as well. From clearly the, they've nailed it for the solo developer, but they nailed it for like little teams too. I use it for that all the way up to big giant teams. You know, Netlify is there for you. Thanks for the support. So I've, I've never, I, I for the first time I'm working on a, a thing in view. Mm-hmm, well, mm-hmm. side project thing, you know. Wink. Wink. Yes, I know. Yeah, it looks good. But um, so, it, you know, it started as a pen and then moved to like 
some view and then I'm trying to look at it right now what we've managed to get it in and it's Vite for sure so it's that's it's been fun to work in that because it really is just like blow your brains out fast mm-hmm. you know there's no there's none waiting for anything ever starting it up running it build whatever it's just incredible but it looks like it's not nuxed <laughs> but then I'm like what is the what is doing the routing then or is it actually nuxed and I'm I'm just let me see. Dumb. I haven't seen, seen that. It. Look, it, um, the package.json does not include Nux. It's just straight up, you know, Vite, Vite build, Vite preview. So maybe Vite has some like rural basic routing in it all by itself. I don't know. Oh, yeah. Maybe Vite has, uh, oh, it's, yeah, pages, page based routing. Um, Vite has page based routing just as part of the deal. Oh, that's so cool. Let's see here. Because uh, unless there's, um, looks like we're using maybe um, View Router. So yeah, of you router. Yeah, so it's like yeah. So in main JS of this file uh, that no one on the audio podcast can see, uh, we have like <laughs> routes defined, uh, and so it's just like basically you're saying like when you go here, pull the oh, homepage component. If you go here, pull the settings component, which is straight up view router, which is nice because it's like the canonical way to do it in view. Yeah, and you know that's like honestly like what. Powers Nuxt, it's view router, but they they call it uh, Nuxt link is how you they add a component yeah, for it's, it. It's so, so that you don't have to do this routing. You just dump this crap in pages and it just works without having to write any literally any code. Right? Yeah, right. Yeah. So it just like grab stuff. Um Yeah, that's cool. So we maybe we could use Nuxt, but it's it's nice that we didn't have to here because now we can be on Vite and just not worry about it. And it's pretty like minimally powered. So that's been fun to work on. I've never worked in Vue before, but it has been effortless. Partially because Vite, you know, like there's so it just works, you know, it's like very easy. Partially because I just know how to write CSS and the styling I'm doing at the moment, my few contributions have been just styling work pretty much. And that's just been easy. Like you need no, you don't need to know anything about JavaScript or Java frameworks to pop into a project like this and contribute with CSS. And in fact, it's just a delightful experience, really. You know, mm-hmm. I love that. I love that. That like somebody, you know, that there's still this, you know, type of work that you can do. Just design semantics, HTML, accessibility, CSS. You know, there's a lot of those people out there that identify like that and are very good at that work. That like this project, I know Dave and I are here, blah, 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 view and Prisma and blah, 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 you know, like stuff mm-hmm. that you maybe don't care about. I don't have to care about any of that on this project. I'm still contributing to it, but just in this easy kind of CSS way. And it's been it's been great. And I'm not worried about it either. If I have to jump in and write some code too, like I'm familiar enough with the concepts of web development that I'll get my click handlers going on there. You know, no, I'm not worried about it. Yeah. Like that's what I think I like about Vue. Like it's in and we the other day we're talking about one of your Astro projects, you just moved your serverless uh, site over. That's how I was kind Astro. of trying to go with this is that I got a thing in Nuxt. I got stuff I'm working on in Next, and I got this Astro project that you brought up. I'm like jumping all around the different framework world yeah, yeah. and having like no trouble with that. Yeah. Well, I was going to say like Nuxt or Vue and Astro, you know, are very HTML forward. And I think I like that. Like, you're you're not you don't have to cruise through a bunch of JS soup. You you can just 
Mm-hmm. But but the programming model is all the same, right? And so maybe that's what's cool is like, hey, guess what? It has components. Those live in a components folder, and you use the components. And so yeah, and you import them when you want to use them and pass props around and stuff, which is this way. And they have like scope styles attached to them and and what have you. The, yeah, you're right. The, that's a good way to say it. The programming model is the same. And so maybe that's kind of cool. Maybe that's one benefit <laughs> that's come out of whatever, 10 years of framework wars uh, is everything's kind of similar. Well, and it's interesting in Astro to be, you know, that's what I saw in it early on was like, oh, this is very modern, you know, this way of I can even stay in React if I want to and know that I'm not paying any costs for doing it. I'm. Not, it's not you know, those people that sneer at people writing React because, oh, it's this unnecessary, you're piling JavaScript onto something that doesn't need it. You're like, no, that's actually not what's happening here. I'm just authoring in it. And what gets output to the page by default is none, literally no, zero, none JavaScript. Mm-hmm. And you can pile it on if you need to after that. And so I, the site you're talking about is I did... I've, I've, this has been up for years, serverless.cssstricks.com. I made it on purpose. It was just a fun little side project to build. I put it on a static site generator on purpose because of what I wanted to do is have the content of the site in markdown files, which mm-hmm. is, you know, c- classic. You've been blogging like that forever. That's what, that's a very normal way to work with the static site generator. It's not the only way, but it's kind of cool. And when that's the case, that means if somebody else wants to contribute a piece of content, they can just do a PR against the repo and there it is. And I've had success with that over the years, that mm-hmm. kind of like user contributed model of content. I like that. So I was trying to keep that. Uh, but I, I wrote it in Gatsby at first, which I like didn't hate or whatever, but it really is like, it's a complicated beast. And I was showing you some of the, like the crap I had to do to be like, okay, here's a page. And what I want to do is pull all the files, the markdown files in this folder, and then just like loop through them and spit out a component. And it's like, you have to do that in GraphQL or whatever in Gatsby, because it's so GraphQL forward. But in this case, like I could care less about GraphQL. I'm a GraphQL liker, but I don't want to have to do that to query for some markdown files that the technical debt there was was wackadoo if you ask me mm-hmm. and then it all you know i had people opening bugs saying that they couldn't install sharp i'm like why are you using sharp i don't care about sharp that node image processor is just part of gatsby that was hard to install there you know it registers a service worker that probably did interesting stuff but i didn't i don't know what and i don't know why and i just had no control over there there's just a lot to i'm sure i was versions behind on gatsby but i just was not into it you know just like can i and then it shipped a bunch of javascript too and it it made an spa out of it because that's what gatsby does and in this case i'm like dude it's like not even a blog it's like a couple of static pages the correct amount of javascript here is definitely zero you know (laughs) yeah well that's i mean right like the gatsby was very cool and still is cool like but i think it was um you know i think you're like oh great i can just like write components which is what i want to do and and for a time that was like the only way to do it and I want to write components and then I want to write in JavaScript. I want to write in react and then I want it to stitch it all together. And it did a good job at that. And it produced a static version. Yeah, it did. But it, did. it came also came with a bunch of JavaScript, you know, like there was, I think infamously the like list of every page on the site. Right. And I, you could make a full throated argument that said, 
hey, at least it's static. At least it's getting indexed properly. And then because we are shipping some JavaScript, you get this post-load benefit of being able to pop around the different pages of the site really you know, in in a quicker, smoother way than than you can with just an HTML website. But to, to me, I'm like, I don't care. I just, I really don't on a site like this. It, I'd rather ship the zero JavaScript and have less overhead. Anyway, so I make the choice. I, you know, this is like a low impact project. But I've talked a lot about Astro. I'm like in the Astro Discord, which is like a cool developer feedback loop thing. You should probably have a Discord for Luro, by the way. That's a great way to get feedback. Ah, uh, yeah, no, I should. All right, okay, okay, yeah. Anyway, I like that. It's like just it seems like the strongest place for like quick developer feedback loop stuff. Like I'm in the Cloudflare one and I'm in I see this new thing launched called Bun. You see that Bun dot <laughs> yeah. Bun dot SH. We were talking about it in the uh, it up. Discord because there there's you know, this week there's a lot of hashtag hot drama kachunk about like you're not a real developer if you don't know these things, you know, and, and we're all just like, oh grown Groundsville. Um, but then somebody was like, uh, somebody posted like, like these, the new wave of tooling is making everything faster. Like ES build is changing Webpack and, or, you know, stuff like that. And then the last, right. Th- and then there, what's the next 12 launched with SWC, which is, is the, some super fast thing. And everybody wants to use go and rust, which are super fast. And then bun is in zig. Yeah. And we're all just like, Lord Almighty, what the heck is Zig? Like, what's I've Bun never with Zig? Heard of it. Uh, I, I felt never heard of it. Felt so old when I saw these words I didn't know. But I don't know. Bun, it's what? Like a new ES, ES build? It says Bun is post CSS, Babel, Node, and Webpack in a tool that's a hundred times faster. I don't know what it's comparing against, but whatever, for building modern front ends. It's like Vite. It looks Vite like, you know? Um, but it's, you know, it looks like first generation here. It's for Next and Create React app and stuff. But it's just using the, the hot, you know, the tools that a lot of devs like these days, like it or not, right? Looks fine, you know? Uh, so I hopped into their Discord too, just to see what's going on. I like to keep an eye on this stuff, especially as, you know, CodePen is in the market of doing online processing for stuff and we're evolving we're working hard on what the next gen code pen can be and do you know so mm-hmm. when tools come out that are a hundred times faster than previous tools like we need to be like on that train not like how can we micro optimize what we're doing now it's like no what's next gen you know yeah well you know the the neat thing about bun i just like I, i'm not saying like switch we're all switching to Bun tomorrow. <laughs> um, no. The the neat thing about Bun was they said a dev server with 60 FPS hot module reloading. And they kind of explain it later. They say uh, from save to browser in under four milliseconds. And mm. like, because that's what you, you need to be four milliseconds to hit 60 FPS. So if okay. you do the math, there's like a, a frame on it is your a weird com- way of putting that. You got to say, yeah, a frame on your computer paints every four ish milliseconds. So every four milliseconds, you get a new paint. So that's really kind of like intense to think about, right? Yeah, like, I don't know what Vite does, but I was demoing it to someone yesterday because I'll get back to this Astro project originally. But Astro is on Vite now too, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. right? Which is it says something. It makes you worry about the future of snowpacks, and that's probably dead, huh? Well, but I don't know, maybe. Oh, well, but yeah, but Skypack 
is so good. So anyway, yeah. Well, they yeah. better not kill Skypack. Oh my god, <laughs> I would be so mad. That's necessary. But Snowpack's a whole different thing. It's like yeah, a local yeah, yeah. dev thing. And if they're like, no, Vita's the way to go, then you know, that's it probably is the way to go. But I was doing this thing where I was showing, you know, like, oh, let me go change some CSS quick and look at the the hot module reloading on it, which is yet another thing. I gotta admit, sorry if I'm the worst person in the world. I demand it working on projects. I need it. It's so good. It makes me a better programmer to have that instant feedback loop. You know, that's mm-hmm. what Bun is talking about here, how good that is. And Vite, it's very fast too. I wonder if this is trying to say it's even faster than Vite. It doesn't seem like it could be possible. Like it's like, I, I, I had this feeling when I was hitting save on the projects and, and watching the browser update that it was like, did it somehow like guess that I was going to hit command S and do this? Because it felt so, it felt like negative four seconds. You know, right. it felt like it like happened you hit faster than command and it's like, yep, I got it. I did it. So, which is yeah. just nuts how fast it is. And it's a very satisfying thing. And I get that there's drama of people pushing back and being like, that's all anybody cares about now. But what about, what about the users kind of thing? And I'm like, in a sense, I'm like, what about the users? I just shipped an Astro project, removed a crap load of JavaScript from it. You had this great experience all around. I'm pretty sure I'm doing right by the users. Right. Yeah, I think it was um, Devin uh, Garrett Garnett uh, the, from uh, Parcel, who's just kind of commenting on these new brand of tools, uh, saying like they are, they're heavily tuned to focusing on hot module reload speeds or whatever. So, but like, I think everyone agrees like faster CSS compilation is better, you know, but his argument was, or his nuance he was adding was, was that there's no bundler in it. There's no bundler. So it has to go out to a user. And if you send 70 files out to a user, that's no good for them. You know, like, um, a V does have V build and stuff like that. So I I think it, but so it's, it is different, but like, I, you know, I, that's, uh, let's, I, th- I think I agree. Like it is about like what goes to the end user. Um, but I, I you know, there's, I, I think our tools are so heavy right now. You know, it, I, I think at last I used V for the first time earlier this year, 2020, 2021. And it, it felt surreal to, you, you don't, I don't like sit around thinking, oh, my tools are so slow all the time. But once you use Vite, you're like, man, dude, this webpacky thing is slow. And and I would give anything to be off of it. Like like Nuxt is on on Webpack. And I I literally want to switch it to Vite and use this Nuxt bridge purely for the error reporting. Cause I don't get error on line six hundred and ninety-two of bundle one two three four five js oh man i get yeah the error reporting in in next and anything in vite is so beautiful this like beautiful dialogue pops up in your browser with a little stack trace and syntax highlighting of what the error was and it just says your problem is on line five of whatever settings actual js x you know or whatever dot view and so like gosh isn't that that's what you want it's awesome you want to be directed to the place when the machine goes bad. So true. And and nobody I will never ever say I don't care what the user gets on a website. Of course sure. I care. Right. Yeah, you know, like that's like a given that I care to some degree. But that story does change and stuff. I do think DX is important too. Well, Makes I, us 
you know, with Astro, you're kind of saying you got both switching from Gatsby to Astro. You know, you got a better DX. And right. you, and you better... could make an argument that says, oh, that service worker that did some cool stuff, you know, and post load performance. That's a thing, too. And maybe you're giving that up. I mean, you can make some arguments. But to me, it was kind of about like maintainability and stuff, too. I was like a little started to get a little afraid to get into the get into dev the project it's like oh this is like just heavy and i know i kind of forget how it all works and mm-hmm. astro just felt like a, a fresh thing to do but this is like i couldn't go wrong dave i could have picked anything right. to rebuild the site in and it would i would have had a good experience stuff you have a different thing with Lura. like you're making big decisions long-term maintenance multiple people working on the thing reliability concerns my little sites i've been working on have been i got another one i'm trying to do I want to? I've been taking like photos of breakfast burritos. I want to mm-hmm. like rate the local breakfast burritos and make a little site just because I'm like interested in these new tax. And it's dramatic how much you learn when you build something for real, even if it's a dumb burrito rating site. Mm-hmm. Like I've been, I've looked at Astro, I've installed Astro, I made l- like little, little baby Astro projects. And but by the, but when I actually converted a site to Astro, I learned 20 times more about the experience. And frankly, found plenty of rough edges. Yeah. This is not some, yeah. like, just to be clear, folks, it's pre 1.0. If you're asking my honest opinion, should I use Astro? I would maybe wait for 1.0 if you want my real opinion. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Get real. Get I real. just found lots of gnarly things. And, and there was a lot of like hopping into the Discord to ask and sometimes just being like, oh, I guess I'll just do it some other way then. This is weird. And some of it was just growing pains and learning how it does certain things. And, mm-hmm. and some of it was just like, that's actually way broken. And this is totally undocumented. And why is this so weird? And why is this magic thing work this magical way? How could I, how would I ever know that that was magical? There's no information to tell me that. Like lots of, lots of stuff like that. And they know that they're just actively working on it. They're, yeah, things like 10 pushes a day. It's like a cruising project. It's just pre 1.0. So yeah, I did, um, I, I did a talk on web components. I made a bunch of demos and I was, Put them up on a repo, gonna slip, ship them out to Netlify. I, I locally, I was using Vite as the dev server, Vite plus web components. It was going good, but guess what? Those aren't online, Chris, because the dev mm-hmm. server like just exploded. Like, like I couldn't get the deployment to work because of just how the HTML crunched or whatever, and I mm-hmm. didn't have time to like figure it out. So they're, I think they're in like a repo somewhere. But I just was like, man, my like. uh I had these big grand plans to have like a demo site, but then it was just like, well, shoot, I can't get this to deploy. So, <laughs> and I wasn't doing anything outrageous. I, I'm just like HTML files in a folder, but that, that was like too difficult for me to figure out. So, yeah, I mean, like in a, in a crunch time frame. So, like, yeah. So, like, that's all to say, like, these new tools are cool, but they're, they're you might hit a, an edge, you know? That's like what you're saying. Yeah. So, yeah, totally. And then when the 1.0 does come out, then what? I mean, 1110 is it feels very almost like a stable SSG, you know? Yeah. But it's not even 1.0 yet. And guess what? In their 1.0, they, you know, there's like a plugin from con- for converting because there's a bunch of API, I don't know if it's a bunch, but there's some APIs that changed and stuff. Like there's going to be 1.0 growing pains for 1102 even though it's been around for many years. Mhm. Yeah, no. I mean, like I think 1.0 is out, but they they still even have like some newish tech in in the form of like um, these like is serverless. It out, out? 
Um, it's not beta anymore? I think they announced it. There's a big 1.0 on the homepage. But I, I think like – but I don't know if they're like um, – I don't know if they're like advocating for it. It looks like the docs are still – Like if you NPM install 110, is it – Where are the docs on this site? I just Okay, I just found it. <laughs> um, <laughs> you didn't do that. I just um, – That's amazing. <laughs> Uh, Rude. So good. I, it's still like all the docs still say V12.1 or what? O.12.1. So maybe they're updating that. But um, I, I wonder mm. maybe if you NPX 11 or NPM init 11 or whatever, it'll. I should um, get around to this. I'll update my, my craft to the new 1.0. Why not? See if it goes. Well, yeah. No, I need to do that too. So there you go. Uh, This episode of Shop Talk Show is brought to you in part by Hashnode. Hashnode is a free developer blogging platform. Go over there, sign up. It's free. It's easy. Boom. Now you got a blog, you know, and it's filled with features that are good for developer blogs. That's what it's a community of developer blogs. So syntax highlighting and all those features you needed for a developer blog they have. It's running on Next.js and Vercel, near perfect Lighthouse score. So nobody's going to accuse your blog of not being uh, super fast and performant. That's great. But then Publishing on Hashnode ensures that your content can be discovered by millions of users, meaning that you have the blog. It's your blog. In fact, you can map it to your own domain name, so it's totally yours, but it's plugged into the the, the full community there. So it's a fun place to just have an account and go explore anyway, because there's loads of developer blogs there. So you're, you know, it's this hive of developer writing. So that's fun. Best of both worlds. You own what you create there without the hassle of having to build everything from scratch. So plugs into your content into the massive global dev community markdown support code syntax highlighting support github backups no ads no paywalls ever thanks for the support hash node Lots of new school dev tooling. I wonder what what they. I mean, Eleven's got its own compiler, right? So it's. I think it's a little irrelevant to the world of Vite. You know, like mm-hmm. maybe if it ever like decided to get into SAS processing or something, it would. I would imagine it would pick something like Vite, but it doesn't process the stuff that Vite processes. Yeah, Eleven's all about HTML different. processors, and I don't think Vite plays like that. You know. Well, you know, old Slinkity. Uh, yeah. which is uh, Ben's, Ben's. That's probably Vite, right? Ben Holmes is uh, kind of layer on top of Elevity. Um, yeah, it's on Vite. So, and then it, uh, and then so it, it's kind of built for like taking these React components or JSX files or it can do anything, I think, or whatever Vite can do. Um, and then uh, spits them out or like pre-compiles it for your site. So that's and, what I should do. I should move to Slinkity and 11 That would be, that would be interesting. Cause I do think it's right. Like in a perfect world, and I don't know the nuances of all this, that Slinkity and 11 would just kind of get together. Cause I think, I think 11 needs to have a component syntax. Yeah. And I, I think there was, I've, I've seen some seen d- tweets that kind of hinted at maybe there's going to be some deeper collaboration there. So hopefully something soon, but um, I have no idea. That's all. No, I have no idea either. But, but um, and that can always break down or, or like decide like it's better as an external thing. Cause I mean, 
I, I think still think about like, oh, if I need to like just crunch files into templates, like or I want templated files, man, 11 is still going to be up on my list. Like just, well, oh, for sure. You can just, it crunches, eats it for breakfast. So, yeah. And that, you know, it's all about producing HTML. Eleven D and HTML kind of go together, but and it supports all these zillion languages. It's like it's just it starts to feel pretty natural. And I, hasn't Zach himself made like a view does view stuff that gets smashed into Eleven D? But I don't think dot view like ships with Eleven D. You know, I don't know what it is a plugin or what. But oh yeah, I guess. Um, well, yeah, there was a Eleven D plugin view or something like that that supports view on the. Right. Server side. So, yeah. But then it's like if you got Slinkity around, just let them do it. <laughs> maybe Slinkity. Yeah. I don't. Maybe Slinkity does. doesn't do mm-hmm. It does do um, But I think so. Yeah. Anyway, it's, I mean, we could get him on the show and talk about Isn't it. Isn't that a new thing, though? That's the vibe of all these new frameworks. Not all of them, but a lot of them, right? That they do, that they support multiple syntaxes. Like the Isles one I looked at the other day was is kind of a view-based SSG. It's like the view version of Astro, right? Mm-hmm. Kind of cool. And, uh, but it it can do other stuff, too. And, that, and Astro's famously does that, right? Like you, you can just keep your Java's, you can keep your JSX, you can keep your view files, you can keep your Svelte files. It doesn't care. Mm-hmm. It has its own little syntax, which has some niceties, but it has some weaknesses too, I think. So, yeah. so it's kind of cool. Isn't that neat to see this next gen SSGs, which I guess 11 was kind of the OG. Like we don't prescribe one particular format we have we support all kinds of different ones yeah i wonder if that's kind of the a new class of ssg here is is they support multiple right programmatic expressions whatever you want to call them but they have a component system which technically 11 doesn't have but but you can you and can you'd never do this if you if you expected javascript output but because all these frameworks are intentionally stripping out client-side javascript it like so, right. Wow. Fuck. Why not? Yeah. And it and it is like server side first, basically. You know, because I, I think that's the other thing too. Like even with Nuxt, it's like server side you can do, but it's almost like, are you sure? <laughs> like it, it's very. Um, it, it feels like after the fact, sort of like how like create React dot render to string was sort of like an after the fact sort of feeling. You know, um, mm-hmm. people are like, you can statically like render react just rendered a string and you're like well that's that, not a first class citizen that seems in any way <laughs> yeah so um so yeah i think there's i think a lot of these are kind of more static first html forward um you know i think SvelteKit and all these things kind of do this too um SvelteKit's maybe pretty svelte based but um but they're on es build they're they're on like compiled binaries not javascript kind of libraries they're on compiled binaries so something so mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Oh. oh i got one for you dave you ready hit me you know how you know what's what's like what are some of the classic web dev books that aren't about web dev right like understanding comics is that's one that you bring oh, up right like, like best cl- book on web like development that. ever understanding comics what's the one with the where the guy with the with like the handles on the teapots with the with the design affordances oh um oh yeah uh ah hold on this is uh that's like a classic design of, of everyday objects or whatever um, yeah but, uh, there you go 
Dame. Which has nothing to do with web, but of, of course it does because it talks heavily about the concept of affordances, which is now like burned into all of our brains as a thing that is important. Is it? Is that what it is? Or design of everyday of things. 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 Yes. Yeah. Objects is a totally different one by Don Norman, who uh, created the idea of a Norman door, which is the where the door says pull, but it looks like a push, you know, so and and you look like an idiot at the door. <laughs> That's a Norman door. Uh, yeah, you look like you look like the the school for geniuses. Um, yeah, far side, far side. Yeah, <laughs> it's like one, of the great, one of the great comics of all time. Yeah, yeah. Here's another one in that category. It's called Art and Fear. Oh yeah, Observations okay. on the Perils and Rewards of Art Making. It's a tremendous book. I read it ages ago, but I'm just ordering another copy because it. Um, remembering how how powerful it, it is and i and there was an anecdote in austin cleon's blog you do you got austin uh, cleon on oh, your I'm, rss I'm, he's the best yeah i, I freaking love this guy i know austin personally yeah so oh you do he's in austin or was i think what yeah yeah we oh he's like very famous to me he's, as, uh, you, famous. he's cool though yeah Anyway, he, he's got his, his blogging ability is almost better than his authorship. I mean, whatever, his books are great, but I just think he keeps one of the, the best blogs around. But he published an, a little excerpt that struck with me the other day from on, on his blog. And it, in the, basically the title is Quantity Leads to Quality. And I thought of us, Dave, because, you know, our theme song for this show, Just, just build. build Websites, right? Hell Yeah. And the point of that is kind of this. It's kind of quantity leads to quality because you have to do the work to get better at the work. That's what we're trying to say with that. And I'll say it forever because it's the only way I've ever gotten good at anything. You put in the hours, you know, Mm -hmm. you you build the stuff and you get better at it. And I was thinking about in this episode because I'm like, dude, I got my Astro Project cooking. I'm going to do another one. Maybe I'm going to pick another SSG, which I feel like I should almost outsource like I want to make this burrito site. You write into the show and tell me what I should build it with, audience. And I'll I'll pick whatever the most popular one is. I don't, but it's got to be weird, you know? Don't tell me Astro because I already did Astro. I want to pick something else, you know? I'd love to see a Svelte kit. Can I put in a Oh, Svelte kit. That's what I should do. Okay, I just, well, not to, not to ruin everyone's vote, but I just, I hear good things and I'm not using it. So I'd like to live vicariously through you, so... <laughs> Yeah, and I'm and I'm big on that. Like, if you build something for real, you learn ten times more than if you just like hello world that it and enclosed it. You know, mm-hmm. like you have to have a little stake in the game. You know, you got to buy a domain name or something. Then it's real. Then you're really gonna like find those rough edges and find the learn what you actually need to learn about the technology. Cool. So that's the that's the quantity thing. It's like I'm actually doing it. You know, I have all these sites in the fire, and I'm leveling up as a developer because because I'm doing this work. So here's the anecdote though from mm-hmm. from Art and Fear, mm-hmm. and. I'll just read it because I think it's interesting. A ceramics teacher announced on the opening day of the class that they're going to take the class and split it into two, dividing the class into two groups. All those on the left side of the studio said that they would be graded on the quantity of work they produced, how much work they do. And those on the right solely on the quality of the work. So, the you know, that's the idea is that the, the quality people then, all they have to do is produce one thing. Those being graded on quality need to produce one pot in ceramics, a perfect one, and then you get an A. Wow. If you that. Wow. Right? So then comes grading time, and this is what it went down. The works of the highest quality were all produced by the group graded for quantity. Wow. 
It seems that while the quantity group was busily churning out piles of work, learning from their mistakes, the quality group had sat theorizing about perfection and the end had little more to show from their efforts than the grandiose theories in a pile of dead clay. That's heavy, yeah? You got to do the work and then you get good at it. I think that's it. I mean, I'm, this is like part of the reason I'm such an advocate for like play and in work and stuff like that. Prototypes, you've probably heard me talk about it on the show mm-hmm. before. Because um, I'm just like, if you could just like build it, but outside of the big machine and you can figure out how it works and get a vibe for what this would be. And then you can maybe start to connect the dots on how much work it would actually be to do redo the big thing in, in the new thing. Like there's so much, uh, like you, you learn so much, you, you get so much, uh, out of that. And, and I think you just, and it's about playing, it's about doing, it's about building quantity, you know, like if you just like, whatever, say like, we're going to replatform the whole damn thing in Adonis tomorrow, you know, <laughs> which again, like looks like a legit choice. But if we just do that, like we're probably not going to learn because we're just going to feel under the gun to like work hard, you know, but if we're playing mm-hmm. our way into that world and it's like, Hey, I built this little microsite in Adonis and it's actually pretty rad and it solves these five problems we were having with the big site, you know, mm-hmm. and, you maybe have a compelling argument, you know, and you can win people over say like, here, go play in this thing, man. Check it out. So anyway. Yeah. I'm, yeah. Yeah. I'm a big fan. There's I, so much to think about. I ran a blog like in, in pre career times, you know, post college or whatever. And I was big into the like quantity over quality <laughs> or I, I had to like tell mm-hmm. myself that. And, you know, I, I'd like to produce quality. That's the goal always. But I just was like, I kind of realized like I I have to write 10 crappy songs and record mm-hmm. them and release them before I can write one good song, you know? And that's how I feel right now. I'm kind of doing that in my brain with video games. It's like, I still want to play, make video games. I'm 41 years old. I still want to make video games. I just feel like I got to carve out 10 weekends and make 10 crappy games. And then maybe I can start thinking about making one big, cool game, you know? So it's that thing. You just, I don't know. You got to, got to start small. You just got to do stuff. You got to make quantity and then eventually you'll build up to quality. So. Right. And there's, you got to know that because some things in the world don't, don't point to you in that direction. They hide this fact from you in really sneaky ways that I think is uh, bad news. For example, famous musicians, Mm -hmm. you know, you talked about music and then you had the right attitude. So you've beaten this, but you know, look, you know, there's Fiona Apple, you know, Mm -hmm. released a fetch the bolt cutters in 2020, you know, and you're like, dang, yo, that's her first record in eight years, which makes it seems like she writes one song a year or something. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then, and then even before that, it's like even really good bands. It's every three years, five years, something, you know, that's not accurate though. You know, surely they write 200 songs and eight make the record or whatever and tour or whatever, or play in, you know, they're, they're constantly working. It's just that it just happens that they, they probably work so freaking much that they know that by the end of that long span of time, like the very best of it can be kind of, kind of crafted into stone on an album but from the outside it looks like they just sit around and do nothing and then every eight years gets struck by lightning and have this amazing record yeah arrive at their fingertips well, what's that zeitgeist here uh 
the the Beatles documentary came out over uh, from uh, the Get Back sessions or whatever. Mm-hmm. I don't know if you've watched any of that, but there's a clip going around on on it's it's really good. But there's a clip going around about how like the Beatles are sitting there waiting around for John to show up because John and Yoko are late, and mm. uh, Paul's just noodling on his bass. And like he's like, da da, da da, you know. He's but in mm-hmm. like forty five seconds or something like that, he like creates the hook for "Get Back," like this epic Beatles song, and it's just a banger. It's really like, and, and like once like it's it's like the lights come on. It's a really magical moment. Like like he kind of like gets this chorus in, and then immediately George like. You know, you see Ringo kind of drumming on his legs, and then George is like, "Oh hell yeah, this is it. Okay, I'm in." Like you see him, like mm-hmm. I can do something with this now, and like he kind of starts adding his like, you know, like I think he like does this like hammer on thing. It's cool. It's amazing. It's awesome. But guess what? The Beatles can do that because they spent like five years in Germany when they were teenagers playing eight hours a night. Like that's how they got to the point where they can just sit around and like write, get back in 45 seconds or let it be in a, like, you know, in a few minutes or whatever like that. So like, that's, that's how it happens is like, they did quantity in the early part of their career, big time. And, you know, wrote hundreds of songs while they're just playing all these, you know, little rock and roll gigs and like a, I think it was like a strip club in Berlin or something like that. <laughs> it was like a, uh, some sort of rowdy bar place in Berlin. And like, they like, you know, I don't know. That's, that's like, they, they learned how to do it, man. So yeah. Put in more hours than we have left in our lives to put in. So <laughs> yeah, basically, I mean, they, they just played every night for like eight hours, big sessions. And like, that's how they got good. You know what I mean? So uh, there's something to be said about quantity. And now, you know, it's maybe touching into 10,000 hours territory here, but I just, just make websites, just build websites and you'll, uh, you'll learn how to produce good websites and bad websites. And you'll learn what levers you personally can pull. Like if I use tailwind, I get a B site, but if I like contract this designer who I work with really well, I can actually produce like a triple A site or what, you know, I'm just picking technologies or whatever, but like you can like really like you learn what you're good at, what other people are good at when you're working together and you like just can dial up, you learn the levers you have in your life to pull, to create cool and interesting work given a time frame or whatever. Heck yeah. So. I love that. Anyway, it's a real, it's a real thing. And it's cool that when you see like actual like life, things that happened in the real world that, that, that verify it, you know, this isn't, we're not just like, this seems right. It's like, no, it's, it's been literally proven with grades and bands yeah, and isn't that? humans. And that, that's just, is, is the truth. Class period. is just phenomenal. Like just that a professor was like, I'm going to do this. <laughs> so, yeah. There's more right. anecdotes in that book too. So I, you know, I, I, I sent it to my buddy who's a actual ceramics professor in college now has yeah. been for a long time. And he's like, oh, yeah, dude, I, you know, I, he had some more nuance to it that um, in addition to that, because that just makes like a really clean anecdote. He's saying like that 
kind of works. But the another caveat is that you have to really like give a SHIT, you know, like that mm-hmm. you can't take a class of all bunch of apathetic people and split them in the same way. You'll just get all of the same results because everybody's lazy and nobody cares. This is like the prerequisite is that you care already, that you're trying to get good, that you're there on purpose because you have this actual desire to get better. That's kind of a prerequisite, but it's also kind of a prerequisite for people who buy that book because you're like caring about your craft and <laughs> yeah, you know what I mean? buy a whole book of art. Yeah, and you're probably already there if you're listening to this show too. Like you care so much about building websites that you like listen to recreational podcasts about building websites. I'd say you're on the way there to caring about your craft. <laughs> yeah, you maybe have a leg up on some other folks in the office. Um, but he likes the book so much, again, Art and Fear, that he keeps copies of it. So I think there's like moments which he can identify somebody who's doing really good who might be like having a little early crisis and that he can just grab one of his literal extra copies of this book and be like, here, read this. That's cool. <laughs> that's really cool. I'm uh, yeah, it's impressive. Um, well, cool. Well, we should wrap up. Uh, just want to say a couple of people, a uh, lot of people, um, uh, reached out and said slide dev, which we talked about on the last show was really cool. And so I just wanted to <laughs> thanks everybody for chiming in because, uh, uh, apparently it's really cool. And so, um, just want to say that, uh, some people said our crypto episode was not uh, sufficient, so we need to <laughs> bring in an expert. What? So, well, we'll see about that. And, uh, anyway, that's, uh, going to wrap <laughs> this up. I just, I, Hey, I just want to be accountable to Twitter. You know what I mean? That's, that's cool. my goal in life. Uh, and, and they're right, of course. Yeah, Twitter's always right. Um, but yeah, so, but anyway, that's cool. So slide dev, uh, but got glaring reviews from a lot of different people. So that's cool. But anyway, uh, yeah. Thank you, dear listener, for downloading this in your podcast. Your choice. Be sure to start our favorite up. That's a beautiful final about the show. Follow us on Twitter at Shop Talk Show. with tens of tweets a month. Uh, join us over in the Discord, patreon.com slash Shop Talk Show. Uh, it's fun. Discord's fun. And then, uh, Chris, you got anything else you'd like to say? Uh, no, just shoptalkshow.com. 